back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you on the City Forward Face-Off Show live from the Honda Center, Anaheim, California. Regularly uh, in this slot, uh, 1235s on Friday afternoons, Elliot Friedman joins us on Oilers now from uh, NHL Hockey on Rogers. And Elliot's been kind enough to uh, join us here in our pregame shows. We get ready for a matinee between the Oilers and the Ducks. Elliot, how are you? How's your week been, Bob? Anything going on? Yeah, it's it's been a little, uh, it's been, a you know, really starting with the trade a week ago at this time uh, for Ryan Strom and Ryan Spooner. From that point on, there's been a lot going on, Elliot. Uh, and obviously you're having a little bit of fun with me in that regard. Give me your perception of uh, the Oilers' move uh, to relieve Todd McClellan of his duties and replace him with uh, Edmonton native Ken Hitchcock. Look, what happened last weekend obviously forced the issue, the two very tough losses, Calgary and then what happened in Vegas. But the one thing I believe strongly is that Edmonton was not going to make a move, Bob, unless it was something that could get them going for this year. The Pacific Division is not great. You've got Calgary and then San Jose at the top, and it's not like they're set in stone to make the playoffs, but you feel a bit more comfortable in them. And then you look at what probably only will be one more playoff spot. And there's nobody who really terrifies you. Uh, Vancouver's there. They've lost seven in a row. You've got Vegas, which has struggled. You've got uh, Anaheim. You've got L.A. You've got Arizona, who I think could be the team. But you don't look at them and say we're terrified by them. And I think you guys look at it like we can still compete in this division and make the playoffs. And we're going to make a change that can take us in that direction. And that's why I think Ken Hitchcock was the choice. Elliot, the four lowest scoring teams in the NHL are currently in the Pacific Division. L.A. is obviously dead last. There's Anaheim. Um, and and then for me, a, a little bit of a surprise that Arizona's not scoring a little bit more just because of their ability on the backhand to, to generate offense. And then the Vegas Golden Knights, who you know did get six against Edmonton the other game. So... Those teams struggle. The Oilers are only, you know, they're in the bottom third of the league, too, in goals for right now. But in the Oilers' case, it was about getting goals against down. And I have some empathy for the position that Todd McClellan's in because, Elliot, every every good goalie in the league has a four- or five-game stretch where they're not mm-hmm. very good. And unfortunately for Todd, you know, uh, four sub-850 save percentage starts for Cam Talbot was part of that undoing. There's no question about it. I mean, Alain Vigneault himself had a saying, if my goaler is better than your goaler, I win. If your goaler is better than my goaler, you win. And a lot of the time in the NHL, it does come down to that. But look, I I think, look, Oilers fans don't need to tell me that this was as much uh, a roster construction problem as it was a coaching problem. Whatever issues you might have, uh, with McClellan, I think you could make a very good argument that this was not solely on him. It's just that in a year where they still thought they had a chance to make the playoffs, the best trades that you could make are kind of sideways moves like the Strom and yep. Spooner one. And the easiest change is to change the coach. And I just don't think there's a trade there that Edmonton really liked that they thought could make themselves better. And as a result, the, the, the decision was to try and see if you can get a guy who has a good reputation for being an instant turnaround master to see if he can do that with this team over the final 60 games of the year. 
Yeah, that's, you know, every guest that we've had during uh, the course of the last four days has reiterated that point. Brian Burke brought it up again yesterday. Uh, you know, Craig Simpson alluded to that on Wednesday. I mean, Ken does have a reputation for being a mechanic. And the best illustration, you know, uh, Davis Payne, who's my broadcast partner, Jack Michael's friend. I mean, they were 6-7 and seven in St. Louis and played a tough schedule out of the gate. The Oilers were 9-10-1 and one and played a tough road schedule out of the gate. And Hicks yep. went in there and within three weeks had that team from worst to first, not in the Central. In the Western Conference, it, it only took him three weeks, and he put real structure and process in their game. They were a little bit, they're a lot better defensively, and uh, the goaltenders liked him at least initially. And so he does have that reputation, doesn't he, that he can fix stuff? Yeah. Well, I mean, that year in St. Louis, they dropped about a hundred goals from the year before, and and that's the thing. If you just look at the numbers and all of his jobs, in his first year in Dallas, I think he had half the season. But in his first full season in Dallas and in Philly and in, when he went to Columbus, I think he got 65 games his first year and Seattle 65 games and, and Dallas a full season last year in his first year back there. All of those first years, his goals against has gone significantly down. Now, what you guys need in Edmonton is you need somebody to grab the net. And now it's Koskinen's turn. He's kind of your guy. And I thought he really battled nicely against San Jose the other night. But, you know, unless, unless the goalie, is one of your goalies, is going to take control and say, this net is mine, I'm going to give you a fighting chance, you know, that, that's not going to happen. But, and I think the other thing, too, is, look, the Oilers, one of the Oilers' biggest problems is, as much as a, a skilled game as this is now, you have to be able to check. You yep. have to be able to check other teams, and the Oilers don't do that well. And that is going to be Hitchcock's biggest battle. Well, it's funny because I can remember when he came in with Columbus on the whiteboard. And, of course, he's a disciple of the legend Claire Drake. So, that, I mean, yes. you could if, if you're in the Edmonton market on a short-term deal with, uh, you know, no long-term uh, scenario from, a, you know, signing a coach for a three- or four-year, you could not... Uh, in the Edmonton market, hire a guy in that scenario that, and he's won a Stanley Cup, albeit a long time ago, that could sell better to that marketplace. But I remember when he was in Columbus, Elliot, he, on their whiteboard, check, 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 and they'll spit the bit. And this was in around 2010, 2011 with the Oilers. And so well, that's been out there for Edmonton for a while. Yeah, some things... Some things change, some things don't. You can you can have all the skill you want, and it's important, but you do have to be able to check. You have to be able to do it. All right, Elliot Friedman joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Elliot, what did you think of the Oilers picking up uh, Chris Weidman yesterday? You know, I thought it was, I really thought it was, um, I thought it was an interesting move. I think it's a good gamble. I think it's a really good gamble. Now, People are going to look at this and they're going to say Chris Weidman, Ottawa's trading him because of what happened in the Uber. I think he was on the trade block before that happened. Yep. If you look, they're turning over their blue line. They've got some good young players led by Shabbat. And I just think that he's heading towards being an unrestricted free agent. He was not going to stay in Ottawa. They weren't going to re-sign him. And even before that happened, I think you know he was on his way out. This is important for him. You know, the thing about Matt Duchesne was in that video, Duchesne is potentially a first-line center. 
It, you know, people criticized him for what he said, but it's not like it's going to prevent him from getting a big contract somewhere. Weidman had a lot more to lose because he's battling to, to stay. Right. And, you know, he's a guy who's beaten a lot of odds to get here. He isn't the biggest guy, but he's very competitive. He's very confident, and he will love this chance. And, you know, it was on your show where Sorelli talked about his D and their inability to pass. Yeah. You know, Chris Weidman, he can, he can pass, and he can move the puck. He, by himself, is not going to change everything. But he's a little dose of what you need. And I think this guy will come in anxious to do a good job, and he will look at this as a huge opportunity for him. And for the price you paid, you know, that's all you can ask for. The guy's talented. Elliot, uh, I don't think they're done yet. Uh, you know, you move Strom, who, by the way, Ryan Strom just got in a fight with Travis Konechny. Yeah, he knocked over uh, he knocked over Sean Couturier, and Travis Konechny chased him down. It was a good fight. Yep, good scrap. Um, but uh, they made the move. They traded to the third line, you know, right shot center for a winger. Spooner needs to gain some confidence, and he's going to get ample opportunity in the Oilers' top six, especially with Tobias Reeder out for another month because uh, mm-hmm. they're going to need, need, need some help scoring on the left side. Now they've got themselves a right shot D, and I, I, I love the asset management because the Oilers traded Yarabek and got back a conditional six, flipped that to Ottawa. To uh, there, There's something there with Weidman. I, I mean, he's got some offensive ability, and I wonder if at some point the Oilers don't end up uh, circling back to getting another center because right now, you know, they got Cooper Marodi in the lineup, and he's just not quite ready yet. He's a smart player. He does protect the puck, but he he doesn't have any explosiveness from a skating perspective. It's probably a year away. And I wonder whether or not the owners don't look at, you know, not a, not an overpriced center, but a guy, say, sub uh, below $3 million price point, maybe moving out a D for a center at some stage. So we'll, we'll wait and see on that uh, front. Uh, let's get to some stuff around the league, Elliot. What yep. is the latest on William Nylander? Oh, what a day. First, we get r- rumors that he's flying back from Sweden, which I'm told are not the case. Then we get rumors that uh, then some fan takes a picture with Kyle Dubas, and I guess Dubas jokes with him that, you know, at 5 o'clock, nothing's going to be different. He says, oh, he's going to have an announcement at 5 o'clock. And, oh, like, this is, th- this is a social media day in hockey if there ever was one. And I, I, you know what, I, I look at this as I think there's been some movement, but depending on you, who you talk to, the levels of optimism are very different. And what one person told me was, you can have a difference of a few hundred thousand dollars a year, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get the deal done. The last hurdles, he said, are always the highest. And he looks at Toronto and Nylander kind of grinding to see if they can find a common ground. But when you start as far apart as they did, both sides reach a point where they say, all right, we've given up enough. And I've had some people say to me they're optimistic a deal will get done. And I've had other people say to me they're not convinced it's going to happen at least not as fast as everybody is saying. So I, I think there's some hope, but there's also a realization that the last bit is the toughest to go because you've got both sides saying, we've given up enough. So I think we're moving a little bit too fast today, 
Um, but you know what? There's still eight days left, and, you know, there's time. I mean, we'll see. I mean, is anybody willing to bend even further? And you reach a point where you think you've gone far enough, and that's kind of, I think, where both sides are now. Uh, Carolina's been playing the last two weeks without Brett Pesci. That was the name mentioned most, though if you're the Hurricanes, you'd probably like to offload Justin Falk. Um, I don't think Toronto was that. I don't think Pesci is the guy Toronto wants. I don't think that's the case. Well, they want Hamilton? No, I think they want Slavin if they do that deal. So they want a left shot. Well, I think you just, you know, the one thing I really believe, Bob, is that if, and I straight say this is if, if they are going to trade Nylander, I wouldn't pigeonhole it for a certain defenseman. I would say they're going to do it for the best player available. And if that is not a, a right-hand shot defenseman, then I think what you're going to see them do is maybe do that somewhere else. Um, I, I think that if they deal Nylander, they're, they're going to do that for the best player available. We're joined right now by Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you on the City Forward Faceoff show. The Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks today, 2 o'clock puck drop, Edmonton time. Uh, we'd be remiss without mentioning, Elliot, the situation involving Mick, Madu- uh, Mick Magoo. It's a, it's a uh, tough scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brutal. I don't really have a lot to editorialize about it. A number of reporters today have sent out something on their Twitter about... Uh, the GoFundMe page that has been set up by Mick Magoo's family, and um, I would just say, help if you can. Uh, it's it's a it's a brutal, brutal thing, and you wish to him and his family the best. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just a real tough uh, story there, uh, Elliot. Uh, how much heat right now is on Dave Hackstall in Philadelphia? We've already seen four head coaches, uh, you know, two on back to back days: Mike Yo and Todd McClellan. Uh, yeah. Is is Dave Hackstall? I mean, he got the, he sort of got the, uh, you know, the Flyers doubled up on him last spring. But is there any possible? And, and part of it for Philadelphia has remained the same storyline seemingly forever. They can't yeah. get stops. No, they're they're okay right now. It's one nothing early in the third period. They're winning, but you know, famous last words. Um, you're, you're right about that. I mean, Haxel's got to be used to it. It's been this way for the last year and a half. I, I think there's some situations around the league that are getting a little hot. You know, I, I wonder, you know, Florida is kind of one I wondered about watching them uh, get forced by Tampa Bay earlier in the week. That was one I'm kind of looking at there and saying, boy, uh, they were really hopeful this year and they've, they kind of dug themselves a bit of a hole. I, I think there's been a little bit of pressure on in Florida. You know, Anaheim is one that there's. I think there's still is a, is a bit of pressure as they may be looking to rebuild or reload a little bit. Um, those are kinds of the situations in addition to Philly that really jump out at me at, at this particular time. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other names that you're hearing a little bit on in terms of potential movement around the league? Well, I, I think I think Pittsburgh. I, I've said it. I, I, I still think they're willing to do a lot of things, and I don't think there are a lot of untouchables there. I think St. Louis is going to be an interesting one because, you know, if they don't straighten this out, I don't know how many untouchables they would have, um, especially among the older group. Maybe the younger guys would be pretty safe, but among the guys who've been there for a while, I'm I'm not sure how many there would be. And, you know, I think Anaheim will be an interesting one. Yes. I, I wrote this week, I think Pittsburgh, 
uh, would try to see if they could pry Brandon Montour out of there. Um, didn't happen, obviously, but, you know, a guy like Silverberg makes sense. You know, Cogliano's got a no trade, but, like, those guys, like, fast wingers who can probably play with Crosby and Malkin, those are the kinds of guys I could see Pittsburgh going after. Yeah, I can't imagine that Andrew Cogliano, uh, they, they signed Brian Gibbons. He's got uh, one point this season, but uh, Cogliano started the year between Gibbons Geez, I'm trying to think of who the centerman was. Uh, Rowney. Carter Rowney. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's what he thought he was signing up for last year when he signed that three-year extension. Of course, his agent's the same guy that had Brendan Smith, right? And Smith got traded from Detroit to, to the Rangers and then took the long-term deal from New York and found himself in the minors. Elliot, great you stuff. You know what was interesting about that, Bob, was that I think one of the reasons he didn't sign in Detroit was he was worried that was going to happen, that he was going to sign and get traded. Well, so it been... just shows you it's a business, man. It is a business. <laughs> And we got reminded of that on Tuesday, right? Todd McClellan with the yes. team on the plane to San Jose, and the Oilers hadn't consummated the deal yet to bring Ken Hitchcock in. And tough situation. And as Brian Burke stated yesterday, Elliot, uh, there's never a right time to fire a guy, right? No. I mean, he, Bob, he, Bob, were were you, were you at the pool in Anaheim with the Vancouver guys the other day? Uh, what do you mean? Well, I, I was talking to some of the Vancouver media guys, and they said the Edmonton I was Elliot. The- if you must know, okay, okay. I admit it. I was at the I pool. Heard, I heard. I heard the media guys from Edmonton were at the pool with the media guys from Vancouver. There you go, Jack. You've got eyes everywhere and ears, yeah. Elliot. You're a troublemaker. Does everyone know this? It was a little I try, bit. I tried my best. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was actually on the air hosting the show, Elliot. Oh, uh, here we oh. go. The world's smallest violin, eh, Okay, but, but I got to tell you, nobody, Elliot, would have needed to see me out in the pool because somebody would have pulled out a harpoon for sure. <laughs> I'm more worried. I just don't want you to be so pasty. Like, that's the thing. Like, guys like you and me in the winter, we get too pale. That's why hey, I want to see final, color there. One final one for you here. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun with you because you, of course, okay. were... You were the CFL on CBC reporter for a while. Yeah. I got the I got the stamps, and I, they're going to win by more than ten points against Ottawa. And I say that, and I love Rick Campbell, but I think it's Calgary's time. They've had the best organization in the league. Who are you taking in the Grey Cup? Yeah, I, I'm with Calgary too. I I, I just feel that uh, it is their time too. I, I like their team. I I just think organizations like that that are consistent, they they find ways to break through, and I, and I agree. I think they will. Leave it to the American to get this pick right. I'm taking Ottawa on the points. The American takes the Canadian capital. I like that. Absolutely. Elliot, we'll talk next Friday when we're back at Edmonton, okay? All right. Enjoy some time by the pool, Jack. See you later, Bob. Cheers, Elliot. Nobody needs to see that. That's all I'm telling you. All right. uh, Reed Wilkins will continue with the city.